Hello and welcome to Unabashed Book Snobbery, the podcast where we gush about George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire and file endless grievances <laughs> against its awful adaptation, Game of Thrones. This is where being a book snob is a good thing. My name is Kylie, and here with me is Julia. Hi, everyone. And we both write for fandomfollowing.com, our website that brings you the best of nerdy media analysis, coverage, all that jazz. Uh, we also both have Tumblr blogs, mm-hmm. uh, where we write, I mostly write, uh, the one I'm going to list is all Game of Thrones at the moment, but probably A Song of Ice and Fire getting back into it now that the season's winding down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's GOT Gifts and Musings. And then Julia is the cultural vacuum. She yep. doesn't post nearly enough. Well, I have a life and stuff. <laughs> she also has a side blog oh. that she just launched called Useful Dash Activity, where she posts all of her needlework. Mm-hmm. And her she's really freaking talented, and it's a little intimidating. And I want her to do a cross-stitch of Oberyn. <laughs> I wouldn't do that cross-stitch. Cross-stitch isn't very classy. Tyene would never cross-stitch. What was Tyene doing then? Just, like, freestyle embroidery. Jesus Christ, with two needles and... Yeah, well, you know, she was doing a lot of work. She needed two needles loaded at once, I guess. I don't know. Well, I mean, to go at that speed, sure. Yeah. Anyway, Julia, what are we talking about today? Today we're talking about Bran, the Others, and Northern Mysticism. Which, hey, Bran, I know that guy. Isn't he the one who talks about, that's my father? I don't know what you're talking about. I, I think maybe <laughs> even reading some bad fanfic. Uh, that's, that sounds about right. Yeah, it was it was like a weird dream I had where Max von Sydow was like <laughs> standing next to him, pointing at things. <laughs> I think it's a dream. I had this dream where Ian McShane was there <laughs> and his name was Bray. <laughs> Oh, what a season. Oh, God. No, I mean, we're uh, uh, the point of me saying that is that we're not talking about the show at all. This is all yeah. A Song of Ice and Fire, Brand the Other's Northern Mysticism. Mm-hmm. Um, full disclaimer, this is so out of joy in our in yeah. my comfort zones. Like, we put it on the poll because it's one of those topics that it does interest us, mm-hmm. and it's so fundamental to A Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah, because like, you know, it's kind of the ice part. Yeah, but boy, am I out of my depth here. <laughs> yeah, it's true. This, is, this isn't like, you know, what we've always gravitated towards when I'm talking about this. Exactly. And we're going to treat ourselves. The podcast after this is either going to be about patriarchy brain mm-hmm. or it's going to be about Catelyn because I want to call it only cat. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm comfortable with either. But uh, no, we, we will be doing Brand the Others in Northern Mysticism. And just to give you an idea of the structure that we're going to be doing... Uh, we're gonna first go through, like, there's two major elements mm-hmm. of this. One is the children of the forest and one is the others. So our plan is to talk through those and then sort of circle onto Bran through that and then discuss yeah. him. Um, not, not discuss his character that much, so much as, yeah, elements in this chapter. Yeah. I don't, I'm not sure how many people will offend by that. By I know at least this, but, two people that we will offend. <laughs> yeah, but 
I don't want to say there isn't much to brand because that's not exactly how I feel either. It's just like he is kind of Lord Exposition sometimes. Yeah, like he's he's a very rounded character. Mm-hmm. Don't get us wrong, but in terms of what his journey is and analyzing that, there doesn't seem to be as much. I mean, he has internal struggles, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he's you know he's he's reaching an age so he's thinking to himself i'm almost a man i need to behave this way he's like always always thinking about uh his disability and and sort of being frustrated and sad kind of dealing with like the toxic patriarchal implications of that right right like uh you know he's he's basically being told you're going to be this awesome all-powerful magician and he's like i guess i guess that's okay it's not as good as being a knight but it's all right um and so, like, he does have internal struggles. It's just that I think accessing them, it, it's not, I don't know. He needs more. <laughs> I don't, like, I kind of feel like his chapters, like, his entire plot, thus far at least, isn't really a character-driven plot, right? Yeah, sort of like what happens to Asha after she gets taken mm-hmm. by Stannis' men. That's kind of what it feels like to me. So Asha's still a rounded character. It's yeah. just, you know, it's not her so it's not about her so much yeah like like you get the feeling of when george r. r martin is like writing his notes for like what am i gonna write in this chapter like when he's he's doing like a sansa chapter or a jamie chapter or, or an Arian chapter most of his notes are going to be like about the character and what he wants to say about that but like when he sits down to write a brand chapter it's mostly about like you know the information he wants to get across and the right right here's yeah. where we're going to introduce yeah. x y and z about you know yeah that's just kind of i have no idea what George Martin's notes are like obviously but however if yeah. if you if anyone does have an analysis like mm-hmm. a character analysis of brand that you think counters this or anything like send it our way no, we, just, we we're sounding so mean it's not like he's a bad character it's not like yeah. there's nothing to him it's just that there's just it doesn't it never seems to be the focus Right, like I would be interested in reading a character analysis for mm. this reason, but for our purposes, especially when we talk about him, and if you listen to our Feast Dance Defense Post episode, yeah, you you would have heard that it was very difficult for us to loop him into everything, and we kept trying, and we were like, uh, not really. Yeah. So. But that's probably because it's mostly set up, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's well, Lord Exposition. Not, right. We're not trying to shit on him, we're just no. saying, this is we why like we're him. not talking... Yeah, this is why we're not talking about his character specifically for this podcast. We're trying to talk about, like, what's going on with him, I guess. Mm. This is so awkwardly worded. Anyway, uh, we, we <laughs> keep hemming and hawing because we don't want to talk about it because we're scared that we're stupid. Mm-hmm. Well, because <laughs> the thing about this particular topic, the whole, like, northern mysticism and the others and the children of the forest and how they relate to each other, it's like, there seems to be, like, an entire subculture within the fandom. Oh, that yeah. has thought about this so deeply, like way more deeply than we can wrap our heads around in the time it takes to prepare this podcast, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, we're probably just going to sound like complete noobs. <sighs> At the same time, if they tried mm-hmm. to record a podcast on Doran, I'm sure it would not be dramatically satisfying for us. No. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this stuff is interesting and, and it's like, you know, like it's, it's a very kind of like speculate, like there's so the the data on it is so limited you kind of have to speculate to even have a conversation about it. And yeah, which is maybe also why we're less drawn yeah, to it in terms of speculation we- makes our tummy hurt. <laughs> yeah. And like I feel really bad cuz uh, even back when I was like posting regularly on westeros.org in the general forums, I would see topics of this come up and I'd be like, "Oh, I'm not touching that." Yeah. It's like it would like scare me. I don't know. So, without further ado, I'm going to just make us dive right in. Yeah. <laughs> So, let's talk about the children of the forest first. Yes, they're cool. I like them. 
Um, well, so they're like the indigenous, indigenous inhabitants of Westeros, right? Like they were there before humans. Mm-hmm. Not that they ever call them humans in Song of Ice and Fire. They call them men. They call them men. Yes. Uh, gi- I guess giants were there with them, but mm-hmm. children were like, they weren't the dominating race, but they were at least the most, um. Intellectual. Yeah. Advanced. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's the better way of not, looking at not it. Not technologically advanced, but like kind of culturally, I suppose. No, they're very, um. They're kind of like the Nox from Stargate. <laughs> I was going to say, they're very, like, shamanistic. They're mm-hmm. very, like, nature-oriented. Sort of almost fairy-like. There's actually a... Oh, wait, no, that was about the others. There's mm-hmm. there's this quote from someone who was talking to Martin, and he was like, he spent more time saying what the others aren't than what they yeah. are. <laughs> but, like, I, feel, I you kind of get the sense with the children of the forest. Like, so he also they, said, like, like no, like, are they, like, elves? Are they, like, dwarves? And he was just like, the children are the children. <laughs> that yeah. was his answer. <laughs> He's very frustrating, but the, mm-hmm. I, I would, I would relate them to like, shaman is not a bad, well, I guess the green seers would mm-hmm. be the shamans in there, but like that, that sort of druidic, like, naturey. I'm, I, I'm, I'm only thinking of World of Warcraft right now. Don't turn so badly. <laughs> they, like, have dappled, like, nut brown yeah, skin. Yeah, they're definitely not human. Like, deer. They have big eyes, big ears. They have big ears on the top of their heads. They have three, three fingers on figures. each hand. Yeah. yeah. Claws. Yeah. They have claws, right? Yeah. Um, they sing songs in a language that it seems to brand like the birds can understand it. Mm-hmm. And not the uh, old, like it's older than the old tongue, right? Yeah. It's like, I don't know. Yeah, they call the language it, of the trees, probably. Yeah. They call themselves they who sing the song of earth. Mm-hmm. And their gods are, like, the same gods that the first men and, like, you know, most northerners worship. They're the kind of nameless gods of the trees, right? They're kind of this yeah, this animist yeah, it, kind of, like, pantheistic almost gods. Yeah, and uh, actually the children were the ones who cut the eyes into the mm-hmm. weirwood trees, uh, which supposedly allowed, uh, within the children of the forest, they have green seers. It's a rare gift, mm-hmm. maybe one in a thousand. And, and while the children of the forest live for thousands of years, the green seers tend to die out quicker. Yeah, but then, like, there's some kind of thing where they go into the trees and they become kind of part of this amorphous godhead, right? Yes. Yes, the godhead. That's all very... <laughs> yeah. It's all very confusing, but the One green day I'm going to se- try to explain the trinity to you. It'll be a trip. <laughs> I, oh, with the ghost? The holy ghost? Yeah. Yeah. I just don't get why anyone would want a holy ghost, but okay. It, it has to do with Neoplatonism, okay? It's fine. <laughs> Copy. Uh, well, yeah. I kind of understand it because of the aspects of the seven. Anyway, that's not <laughs> what we're talking about. We are talking about the green seers of the children of the forest who uh, were the, kind of their leaders, right? Like their spiritual leaders? I suppose, like, because they seem to have, like, very little kind of centralized political organization, right? They're just... Yes, very, very much so. They don't seem to need it because... You know, they're not humans, so they don't really behave like humans. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but the green seers can see through the weirwoods. Uh, by doing so, they can communicate at distances. All green seers, I believe, are skin changers. And skin changing no, is... No, I think all... Uh, yeah, but not all skin changers are green seers. Correct. That You can be a skin changer and not be a green seer. Yeah. But skin and changing... And green dreams is something different, too. Like, not all green... Like, people who have green dreams aren't necessarily yes. green seers. Or skin changers. Or yes. skin changers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so skin changing is when you control an animal. Yeah. With like you do seem to take it over. Yeah. You like it, it's called like slipping your skin and you jump into them. Um, 
And if you can control a wolf, good job for you. You're a warg. Yep. Good. Yay. I don't know why it has a separate name. You win the special name, even though when you can control a dog or a lion, no one says boo. So yeah, <laughs> you're not like a a leon. Just just let just let Martin rip out his random dramatic words. It's fine. Yep. <laughs> don't even think about it. Um. And and the and when Blood Raven is instructing Bran. Mm-hmm. to see through the trees he kind of tells them skin change just like you would with summer but this time go into the trees and like skin change into the roots so that's it seems to be connected power there yeah green seers can also see the past and the future which yeah. and it's, um, it's specifically the weirwoods right yeah like there's something so. special about the weirwoods yes i believe mm-hmm. uh green seers can also call forth beasts not necessarily the ones they're just controlling uh, they can write songs that, like, make men start sobbing or something like that. It's something weird. Uh, and they can also potentially summon floods. Uh, they were the ones who broke the neck. Yeah, they, they uh, flooded the neck, like, to keep, yeah. basically, the first men from coming not, up. Not broke the neck. They broke the... the uh, yeah, they broke the broken arm. They kind of, uh, they created the broken arm to separate yes. uh, Westeros from Essos to stop this flood of humans who they didn't, that they didn't like. They gave Dorne its little show. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> So, but, like, so basically what happened was they're the indigenous inhabitants and then uh, humans, men, started coming across the broken arm and they started coming into conflict with the children, right? Yeah, because... Over several thousand years. Men do. Mm-hmm. For poops like that. Yeah, they, they started cutting down the trees and shit like that. And... Yeah, and basically just, like, inhabiting and men like to, you know, mm-hmm. dam up rivers and build houses and stuff and that's going to... Not gel with the green seers. Uh, a, a few men, uh, like the Kranig men who settled in the neck, got along with the green seers. Yeah, well, eventually, so. eventually the first men adopted, like, kind of the, the gods of the children. Sorry, the gods of the children yeah. as their gods and things yeah. like that. And so, so eventually, like, there was some kind of, like, they, they did manage to coexist. That was the pact, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, they had like these bloody battles. Then there was the pact, and then mm-hmm. that led to the Age of Heroes. And the pact was basically just like, "Yo, let's no, that was the other. Dawn Age. The Age of Heroes is after the Flog Night, right? No, no, no. Okay, explain this to me then. Dawn Age, Age of Heroes, Andal Invasion, Age of Valyria. So Andal Age of Heroes. So like the Long Night was kind of in the middle of the Age of Heroes, was- I suppose. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the Andal Invasion, the Long Night was about minus 8,000, f- mm-hmm. and then the Andal Invasion was minus 6,000, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It was just, like, a, a point in the Age of Heroes. That works. I, I don't, this is just, like, what they call ages. It's it's not, like, super necessary to know. But the point is, the children and the men had a pact for that, some like, thousands of years. Yeah, so, like, the men would get, like, the plains, and the children would get the rivers and the hills or something, or the the forests and the hills, right? Yeah, you you were singing Last Giants, or Yes. Weren't you? <laughs> so in my rivers and hills. Yeah. I only know the other melody, and I don't like it nearly as much, but uh, that's not mm-hmm. the point. Yeah, giants were like chilling around at this time too, and, yes. and the children talk about how they were like, much they more once... numerous. Apparently, yeah, they're their foes and their friends at certain points, mm-hmm. and um, so there's like we're a talking pack about that... several thousand years. I'm sure it was complicated. Yeah, so there was a pack with the men that lasted a couple thousand years, and then the long, the long night, night was, came. and we'll get more into that with the others. Um, but like then... the long night, I think was kind of the like it was really the Andal invasion that kind of really 
pushed the uh, the children kind of into into the background to the point that many people at this point in the history of Westeros think that they're legendary. Yeah, um, they kind of like got pushed underground, really. Yeah, and their numbers into caves. their numbers basically have been dwindling since the Long Night, right? Yeah, I think there's still children in the neck, but yeah. You think so? That's my speculation. Yeah. If there were to be anywhere besides where they are mm-hmm. that we know about, it would be in the neck. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. Chilling with all those lo- crocodiles. And there's not that many of them anyway. Um, mm-hmm. The children talk, uh, Leaf, I think, talks about how the gods, you know, they they made them live for a long time, but not that many so that they wouldn't take over everything. Yeah, maybe they only menstruate once every 10 years or something. Yeah, I wonder how that works. Or maybe they just have very, like, low survival rate. I don't know. Oh. We don't get into it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're just, like, they sing sad songs about everything that's happened to their people, but, like, yeah. that's the extent of it. They're just like, this sucks. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of speculation about that, too, but, like, uh, the kind of taking the text at face value. Yeah, they're they're dying off, and they've kind of accepted that. It's, some of them might be chilling inside of birds and stuff, though. So yeah, fine. but like when a green seer, when a skin changer and a green or and or green seer dies, like part of them is still in the animals that they inhabited, right? Yeah, and part of this the the amorphous godhead thing too. Yeah, so so like all the seers that I've ever kind of connected with a werewood tree, like part of, like they're in a way they're still kind of in the werewood, kind of like ghosting from Doctor Who, I think. <laughs> yes. Uh, so that's, I don't know, there's, there has to be more to say about the children, but I'm blanking. Yeah, um, well, they used the werewoods to see kind of the past and the future. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't think it was really prophesying so much as, like, kind of, like, you know, it's, it's a block universe and you can just see what's going to happen next. Yeah, exactly. Although, I guess that didn't help them prepare against the invasions. No, but, well, you can't, like, if the whole block universe theory is right, then you can't really do, like, a, you can't yeah, do anything right. to change the past because it's already fixed. you just not there Oh, yet. to change the but it, I'm or, talking about the future. Or, or the future, future, because the future is also, you just, you just haven't gotten there much. yet. Yeah. So there's nothing you can do to change the future. I really hate all that. <laughs> you need to read more sci-fi. Actually, uh, Elio and Linda, I know that, um, People can be a little torn on how to view them, but they did a, a really good video, I think, on time in A Song of Ice and Fire. They mm-hmm. did it after the Hold the Door episode, and it's uh, very metaphysical, very mindfuckery, but I'll, I'll link it, because it's good. It's yeah. a good discussion about time and metaphysics. It made my brain hurt in a good way. <sighs> um, I haven't been watching Linda Zeppo's reviews. I never get that. I should watch them. I just, I just do because... Uh, at work, I'm always scrambling for things to listen to anyway, and there's only so many Twitch streams I can watch, so. Mm-hmm. So she's just in the background, and I can usually get a lot done. Yeah. She's much more generous than we are, actually. Yeah, well, most people are, I think. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, like, Bren actually talks about the whole, like, how they've accepted their death. That he contrasts it to the way that humans are. Like, men would not be sad. Men would be wroth. Men would hate and swear a bloody vengeance. The singers sing sad songs where men would fight and kill. So he's kind of making this contrast between their worldviews, I suppose. He's an interesting dude. So yeah, we like Bran, okay? We do. I feel so guilty for mm-hmm. it. <laughs> um, 
Anyway, let's get into the others. And he's got there like the, the darkness, right, going on with the with the skin changing of Hodor. He's got layers. He's, he's got the darkness going on. Also, he has a mentor who's literally saying the darkness is your strength. <laughs> like, um, Brandon, 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 can you can you not? Others. Oh, the others. The, the others. others are co- like the others are really really cool. I think, like. Yeah, that's, um, if anything is gonna kind of go into the, the canon of fantasy, kind of like the way that the, like, Tolkien's elves have or something. And I think the others are gonna be the thing from Song of Ice and Fire that really kind of endures. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna have to, um, you're gonna have to forgive my, my pronunciation here, but what, what Martin said was kind of like to sit here, the AOC, it's from Irish folklore. Mm-hmm. It's like these sort of, otherworldly beings the others are not dead they are strange beautiful think okay the seda seven it's it's technically the aoc which is aos space s i with an accent i have no idea how to pronounce anything in irish like like irish irish and welsh orthography is just like why are you doing this to me? My my ex my ex girlfriend was like super super into it. She mm-hmm. um took she took a course in um well in Welsh and was like trying to like go through some of this. No, like like it make, like the orthography makes sense. Like it's, I I can't I can't yeah. do it. I but, can't do it. <laughs> I don't know. Like I know how to pronounce Siobhan. and it's kind of like as far as I go with the weird ass like Gaelic orthography. And Welsh is even worse. Welsh like why are you using consonants as vowels? Why are you doing this to me? But people have the exact same reaction to Polish, so who knows? I have one language, and I'm not very good at it. <laughs> but basically, it's just like um, he he equated it to a supernatural race in I- yeah. Irish, and I think also Scottish mythology, um, sort of fairy well, Scottish elvish. Irish. That's yeah, Irish sort of to Scotland. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, fine. Uh, sort of a uh, fairy ish yeah. elvish ish made of ice something like that a different sort of life inhuman elegant dangerous yeah well the made of ice part is martin's <laughs> from martin yeah that's not the irish mythology was not made of ice yeah. just, they're like a different a different sort of life like they're not carbon based or something right right inhuman elegant and dangerous i think they no they have to be carbon based or you couldn't sense them what do you mean you couldn't sense them we don't have the ability to sense things like you need carbon to. So if they were silicon based, you wouldn't be able to see them. Do you think that they're silicon based? Joya? I don't Is- know. I'm just I I I don't understand why they have to be carbon based for me to see them. <laughs> okay, whatever. It would be very strange to me if they weren't carbon based. <laughs> okay, they're made of pure silicon. No. <laughs> All right, so what do we know about the others? Um, They're made of silicon. Okay, they first appeared during the long night. Right. Let me read uh, Old Nan's story. This is the the first. This is the first that we hear of the others. Let Julia do that while I research. Well, kind of. um, Because the others are kind of used as like a swear word, basically in Westeros. Like you know, people say, "Oh, the others take you" and things like that. So we had heard of the others before, but this is kind of the first time we heard of the mythology. It's, um, it hey, of- hey, get ready to eat shit. Silicon, unlike carbon, lacks the ability to form chemical bonds with the diverse types of atoms necessary for chemical versatile required for metabolism. Boom. Well, then why in science fiction is everyone speculating about silicon-based life? Because 
I, get, I don't know. All right. Anyway, so old man story. I'm not going to do an old man voice, just so you all know. I'm going to read the whole thing. Um, okay. Because it's really cool. <clears throat> okay. That's not my favorite, he, Bran said. My favorites were the scary ones. He heard some sort of commotion outside and turned back to the windows. Rickon was running across the yard towards the gatehouse, the wolves following him. But the tower faced the wrong way for Bran to see what was happening. He smashed a fist on his thighs in frustration and felt nothing. Oh, my sweet summer child, old Nan said quietly. What do you know of fear? Fear is for the winter, my little lord. When the snows fall a hundred feet deep and the ice wind comes howling out of the north. Fear is for the long night, when the sun hides its face for years at a time, and little children are born and live and die, all in darkness, while the dire wolves grow gaunt and hungry, and the white rockers move through the woods. You mean the others, Bran said querulously. Bran doesn't like the stupid white walker's name. <laughs> the others, old man agreed. Thousands and thousands of years ago, a winter fell that was cold and hard and endless beyond all memory of man. There came a night that lasted a generation, and kings shivered and died in their castles, even as the swineherds in their hovels. Women smothered their children rather than see them starve, and cried and felt their tears freeze on their cheeks. Her voice and her needles fell silent, and she glanced up at Bran with pale, flinty eyes and asked, So, child, is this the sort of story you like? Well, Bran said reluctantly, yes, only, old Nan nodded. In that darkness, the others came for the first time, she said, as her needles went click, click, click. They were cold things, dead things, that hated iron and fire and the touch of the sun, and every creature with hot blood in its veins. They swept over the whole fast cities and kingdoms, felt heroes and armies by the score, riding their pale dead horses and leading hosts of the slain. All the sorts of men could not stay their advance, and even maidens and suckling babes found no pity in them. They hunted the maids through the for frozen forests and fed their dead servants on the flesh of human children. Her voice had dropped very low, almost to a whisper, and Bran found himself leaning toward forward to listen. Now, these were the days before the Andals came, and long before the women fled of across the narrow sea from the cities of the Rhoyne, and the hundreds... And the hundred kingdoms of those times were the kingdoms of the first men, who had taken these lands from the children of the forest. Yet here and there, in the fastness of the woods, the children still lived in their wooden cities and hollow hills. And the faces in the trees kept watch. So as cold and death filled the earth, the last hero determined to seek out the children, in hopes that their ancient magics could win back what the armies of men had lost. He set out into the dead lands with a sword, a horse, a dog, and a dozen companions. For years he searched, until he despaired of ever finding the children of the forest in their secret cities. One by one his friends die, and his horse, and finally even his dog. And his sword froze so hard the blade snapped when he tried to use it. And the others smelt the hot blood in him, and came silent on his trail, stalking with packs of pale white spiders big as hounds. The door opened with a bang. How was that? That was very good. I'm reading about Silicon Life. <laughs> Carly, I put my heart and soul into that. You weren't even listening? <laughs> I was listening to it. It was good. It's creepy, honestly. Yeah. Um, well, so basically, there's this... 
like, cause there's a, spe- uh, there's this thing called the long night because Westeros has that fucked up climate, right? So it's basically like, you know, like the North Pole for several months, the, the sun doesn't rise because the earth is tilted. You may have heard of this. So, so it was like that, but it was like that for like 30 or 40 or 50 years, right? Mm-hmm. And that was the first time the others came. And there's all this speculation of the whether the others brought the darkness or the bar- darkness brought the others and like, you know, what's the chicken and the egg scenario here? Yeah, and and this, you know what this story actually does for me? It just makes me wonder what the fuck is up with Noel Dan. <laughs> she's really into the folklore and the needlework. Yeah. She's she's my kind of a girl. I know, I know. <laughs> you love her. By the way, just for your own edification, uh, the reason silicon is proposed a lot is because it's another tetravalence uh, structure. Oh right, of course. So that's why it's like theor- It's all theoretical, though. Of course. As far as we know, carbon-based life is the only that exists. Mm-hmm. But okay, they also. It's possible the others are also made out of sulfur because sulfur can form long-chain chemicals. So okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um. <laughs> The others, yeah, it, it's a chicken. Did the darkness bring the others, or did mm-hmm. the others bring the darkness? According to the wildlings, it's it's said that the others like seek to extinguish all light and warmth, mm-hmm. and wildlings say that they can like smell it or sense the warmth specifically. Yeah, and that's the what hot they blood. Like, that's what they come after. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, no one knows if they only come at night or if the, or if they bring the night when they come. Yeah, or if, like, this whole, like, long night thing is a natural phenomenon, or if it's something like that. Which is why Hard Home of the TV show was ridiculous. (laughs) They came in broad daylight, but... In broad daylight. Mm -hmm. And no one fought with fire, yeah. Except for (laughs) one. Um, They call them the cold gods. Like, Craster's kind of... And Craster's keep? Craster's cult. (laughs) They call them the cold gods. And it's, like, they... it's, it's It's not a mystery... Craster's sons are given to the cold gods, like they say that mm-hmm. outright. It's or sacrificed to the cold gods or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. Well, we like we don't exactly know how that works, but like, yeah, the sons go to the others in some way, shape, or form. And we know that an other came after Sam and Gilly when she had a son. Yeah, that uh, they wanted. Yeah, did, did did it want the baby, or was it just after them? Because it was after, like, all the Night's Watch. Really, like, all the others were after all the Night's Watch, right? I think I wanted the baby. Probably, I don't know. Came to collect. Yeah. Well, that's what Gilly was saying, anyway. Mm-hmm. But the whole thing about, like, um, the way that the others attacked the kind of column, like, because really Sam was the only one who ever saw one, right? Yeah. But they were they were there. They were, like, like um, the wildlings always talk about, like, what torment and death with dragons when John came to see him said that, like, you know. He could feel the others kind of around their camp. They're always there. Yes. Because they're just, like, looming there and being, like, bringing coldness. Yeah. Like, every every night, you know, a couple more people disappear and things like that. It's fucking creepy. Yeah, it's just, they don't, like, they don't, like, attack wearing samurai armor. <laughs> they, like, lurk in, lurk on the peripheries and pick people off. And it's creepy as shit. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of their political structure, the others, no, we have no fucking idea, but, mm-hmm. um, the great other is something that Mel talks about a lot. And that's a, that's like a red God thing, but this is, this is where Northern mysticism starts to blur with other stuff. Yeah. Cause like, R'hllor has that 
the the faith of the world has that whole structure kind of like uh like Cathars and like Zoroastrian where you have the idea of you have the kind of uh like the good god and the evil god and the evil god is kind of associated with like material things and the good god is kind of associated with spiritual things right yeah and in the case of Rolor uh the evil god the great other is mm-hmm. associated with darkness mm-hmm. specifically darkness and probably cold because yeah. her, she's a fire god. Um so there's like theories and we'll definitely get into these theories that that Bloodraven and Bran are actually the champions of the great other. Yeah. Because yeah, cuz there's all there's all sorts of other speculations that like seriously they're like there's like 150 heresy threads right now. We couldn't no way we could have gone through all of them. But um there's like speculation about the relationship between the children and the others, right? Yes. I guess oh, do we do we need to touch on what's going on with should we bring the show spoiler into it? Um yeah, I think we can talk about it briefly because like I know we talked about this a lot like um last year about how in the 60s and we're, we're really getting into like non-book material where like half our lives are going to be discussing what's a spoiler and what's not. Mm-hmm. But well, first of all, they don't seem to be that into non-book material. I'm sorry. Um, but, um. You, this you is, mean book material, but yeah. Yeah, but like they, they haven't really gone as beyond the books as like they really should, I think, at this point, if they intend to finish in only 14 more episodes. But, um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but this particular spoiler, I'm quite confident, is at least a checkbox that they've clicked off that the children somehow made the others, right? Yes. So what 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 the TV show showed mm-hmm. us was that the oh and we forgot to mention this the children of the forest are good at working obsidian. Yes, it's like their specialty. In and obsidian obsidian is the other dragon glass. Yeah, it's they're a kryptonite. Like it kills them. It makes them melt. <laughs> yes, they they don't use it. They use creepy thin ice swords that like break all other weapons. Cough, don cough. Yeah. Maybe it's an asteroid. So it's made of an asteroid, just like Toph's. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, um, Saka's. <laughs> well, Saka's sort of Toph's bracelet, but yeah, she's the one who got it for him. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Taka aside. <laughs> so, what the show showed us was a children of the forest ramming an obsidian dagger into the heart of a dude, mm-hmm. like oh, a regular a dude. Man, yeah. yeah. And then he became a White Walker. Yeah. And then Bran woke up and went, "You created them." They're like, "Yeah, we were at war." Which there, there are many, many reasons why that won't exactly work in that context, at least in the books. First of all, the others were quite a bit before the what quite a bit after the Pact. Yeah, um, about at least two thousand years, mm-hmm. if not more. So that doesn't make a ton of sense. It's possible that like. The children, while they were at war, tried to make them as weapons, and then, like... But the, the others came for the first time during the long night. Right, I know, I'm saying, so maybe they were, they were, like, doing these experiments, and it didn't work, and they lost control of them. They're like, oh, uh, let's just, like, not think about that. Or and maybe, then... like, the... But uh, another thing that you can speculate is that the children were never that into the pact, and they were looking, like, after 2,000 years, they were looking for a way to get rid of these men. Even after the yeah. pack, like they, they were the ones who reneged on the pack. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. And like the, the reason I'm willing to give the show any credit here, like 
this seems too. Well, the, what the, are, they didn't do anything with it. Like they haven't done anything with it so far. Maybe they will in the last. So it's just, right, but because they haven't done anything to it, it kind of feels like old Mel. Like they're just using something confirmed from the books. But yeah. They have no reason to do it other than they feel like let's check this off. Yeah. So, because, like, it was so random, and what the fuck are the children to any show watcher anyway? Yeah, like, they're all dead now. They killed them all. So Yeah, so, like, why would this even matter to anyone? Why would anyone even care about yeah, it? Yeah, the only, the only reason we can possibly imagine that they had that little bit thing in there at all is because that's something Martin told them, <laughs> right? But the context is probably different, because that's always I mean, all he probably said Martin was, the children made the others. And then, you know, shove it by yeah. ramming obsidian into their heart. <laughs> I doubt that. But, um, I don't know. Possible. It could be. Yeah. I don't know. And then you can also kill them with more obsidian. That the like. Uh, I don't know. I know. It's it's like when you like drink too much water and you know you die. Yeah, it's but like that. you know that means that they're made of carbon. <laughs> this is gonna be our new thing, isn't it? <laughs> okay. It's like my field. Anyway. <laughs> so why were we talking about this we were talking about uh how the others were are seen by the faith of relore and the, that led us to their creation okay yeah Did, uh. have you met us <laughs> somehow there's a connection there to mm-hmm. this Asosi religion and it's yeah bizarre to me well the Asosi there are several Asosi religions that talk about the long night and the others right well, yeah. Okay, so the the battle for dawn was what ended the long night. Mm-hmm. And was that like an actual battle? Or was it just kind of like, you know, a fight? Kind of like, you know, a struggle? Um, there's that song about the Night's Watch riding out to meet the others. Mm-hmm. So, But the others were around after the long night. Right? They just didn't come in force. People thought they were beaten. Yeah. Until now. But I think I think the impression was that they were gone. Gone? Because well, you, you, you have, like, a story of, like, the Night's King. Right? But, you know, he, he didn't fuck another. He fucked a pale woman. <laughs> Could be <Right>. anyone. <laughs> <laughs> she was just, like, a sorceress, you know? <laughs> yeah, one of those foreigner ways. She was albino, whatever. <laughs> Lay off. Like, um... I don't know. It's very hard to tell because you get everything filtered through, like, uh, what's the maester who wrote The World of Ice and Fire? Yandel. Yandel, yes. You get everything through Yandel's lens where it's like, ah, grumpkins. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, I know, so, like, the last hero, the story that Old Nana was telling, um, this was, like, kind of the figure that defeated the others, and he's the last probably... year is is like the northern figure yeah. that defeated the others. And there's a lot of speculation that uh, he's the same person as Azor Ahai, who's the one who who's also have set to defeat the others with magical sword named Lightbringer that he forged by killing his wife. Um, so there's definitely that connection between the last hero and Azor Ahai. And but then there's the prince who was promised, who may or may not be associated with all this stuff too. Well, the prince that was promised is a prophecy mm-hmm. that seems to line up with the prophecy about Azor Ahai. And Azor Ahai is the whole thing where plunged Nissa Nissa. Plunged, plunged Lightbringer into Nissa Nissa. The woman's well, name was Nissa Nissa. Plunged his sword into Nissa Nissa and that's what made it Lightbringer. And mm-hmm. Lightbringer is what defeated. Yeah. Yeah. 
And and I think I'll link our theories podcast because I think we talk about what is Lightbringer, right? Yeah. So I'll link that. Um, I think we still landed on a, I don't know. <laughs> well, we don't know. Um, so basically something happened and something happened with the others. I mean, there's a lot of speculation about how this battle ended, whether it was like a defeat, whether it was like another pact, right? Mm-hmm. Something like that, because then we get to like ideas about what's happening now, like why have the others shown up now? And one of the speculations is that like the humans have broken some kind of agreement that we made with the others because we've forgotten all about it basically, and so now they feel justified in coming back. Like that's one of the speculations, um, which I think is rather compelling, personally. I like that, but yeah. um, I also there's so many options for what that even could be. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so- I know. I, I really like, it's like so horrible that I kind of like it, the the idea that, well, basically what happened after the Battle for the Dawn is the wall was built, right? Like Bran the Builder built the wall and established the Nice Watch. And basically the wall is magical and the others can't come south of it, right? Yes, correct. There's this idea that, because there's, there's these humans who end up north of the wall, right? The wildlings, as we call them now. I like kind of the idea that it's a kind of a game reserve, right? Like, all the humans north of the wall, the others can do whatever they like with. What the fuck? I know, it's really disturbing. <laughs> so I like it. But the others weren't even really, like, picking off wildlings at all until recent. Yeah. But, uh, but they're just, like, I know, I get the impression, kind of, from the text that there's always a very small amount of others who are always active north of the wall. Really? Yeah. Because the wildlings were talking about it like it was... Not that way. No, but like very few. And very far north, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because, so... I could accept that. It doesn't make sense that they would just like disappear and reappear. Yeah. So the, um... So the wall is built, right? The wall is like, it, it grows... It grows in height over the several thousand years. But it's it's the magic really that keeps the others out more than the height. The, the height is more for the wildlings. Um, and the height is also very, very, very unrealistic. <laughs> no, like, didn't, like, uh, George Martin saw something that was actually 700 feet tall, and he was like, shit, I made it too tall. <laughs> yeah, well, and the, the, if, like, you do a structural analysis or something, and there's, it's been done where, like, it could never sustain itself. Never. Yeah. Ever. Right, it would never yeah. melt, that's for sure. It would take, like, a thousand years to melt. But, um. It just keeps stacking. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, cause basically before the nice watch kept, started to be run down, each Lord Commander left it a little higher than the one before they, they kept building up and up yeah. and up. Okay, but basically my point is, <laughs> what I've been trying to get to, is that the Night's Watch is established as this like celibate order of, uh, men who stay and guard the wall from the others, right? Yes. And slowly over time it was more, it started to be more, less about the others because the others were disappearing more and more and kind of disappearing more into legend and it became about guarding the realm from the wild links who were the humans who end up north of the wall because they were very unlucky. But yes. then there's the 13th Lord Commander. So this had to be a good hundred years after the Long Night at the very least, right? Yes, definitely. And he uh, saw a woman from the wall, is the story, right? Yes. And fell in love with her. I mean, like he came down and fucked her. And she somehow, like, subdued him to her will or something like that because she's one of those weird foreign women. Um, <laughs> and, like, it's quite obvious. I, I don't think it's more, there's much controversy about this, but this woman was an other. 
right? Yeah, no, she fits all the description of the yeah. mother. Do you have the description somewhere in there? She fell in love with a woman, quote, with skin as white as the moon and eyes like blue stars. And he loved her, though her skin was cold as ice. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, and so he, like, uh, declared himself king of the wall or something, and... He, yeah, he he declared himself king of the night. He had the night fort, right? Yeah. That's mm-hmm. one of the fortresses at the wall. Yeah. So he ruled He ruled in his castle for 13 years because Martin's like a troll. Mm-hmm. And so of course it has to be 13. He's the 13th Lord Commander. He's the 13th Lord Commander and it was a spooky legend. Uh, but um, but the, like his, his like unforgivable crime. Well, because uh, Bran, uh, the Lord of Winterfell. No, we don't because... We don't it know was that Bran- it was Brandon the Breaker that took care of him. Was it Brandon the Breaker and Jormund teamed up? Okay, and they teamed up to defeat him, and they did. But the thing that was like unforgivable that made him so horrible that they struck his name from history, basically, was that he was sacrificing to the others, right? Yes, sacrificing so. human children. Nothing is even said to the others. Yes, which is exactly what Craster's doing. So that's why it's interesting. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and his name, he was almost certainly a Stark, and his name was almost certainly Brandon, too, right? The Nice King? Because of themes and shit. Well, it wouldn't make sense if it was anyone else. Yeah, like, he had to have been a Stark, like, just for themes and shit. Um, but we don't actually know, because his name has been struck from history. Do you really think so? What? Well, what happens if he's not a Stark? Themes, it's, he has to be a, like, no, like, he has to be a Stark. That's the point. I think I think his name being struck is a little bit of a like, yeah. What do you mean? It gets a bit suspicious that it's struck, unless it was a name that would have meaning to us. Yeah. So no, I'm just saying like the narrative demands that he was a Stark. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And if his name was Brandon too, then that would be even better. Brandon the Breaker fights Brandon, the whatever dude. <laughs> he was his like cousin or something. I don't know. Too many fucking Brandons. Yeah. Totally. No, the Starks like like you know, that Stark family tree, at the in the back of Winds of Winter or the yes. World of Ice and Fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They all have like three names. They keep using it's all like Benjamin and <laughs> Benjamin and Brandon and Sansa's and <laughs> that. <laughs> they didn't. They don't have a lot of creativity. No. <laughs> we love the Starks. <sighs> oh, Starks. Yeah. Um. So that's the Night's King. Mm-hmm. Um. Then I guess that's about it for the others because you don't really hear anything about them. Yeah, they're fucking terrifying. Um, but like, yeah. they might not be. They might not be. Well, this is getting too far into the heresy, but like, you know, I like the heresy. I mean, it's like, what if the others are the like protagonists of the story? No, or the good guys. I doubt that, but uh, I know there are, there are a couple of details we haven't said about them, like how they speak a language that sounds like cracking ice. Mm-hmm. And they, they obviously have some kind of, like, they're not brainless in any way, because, like, in the in the prologue of uh, A Game of Thrones, like, they're joking with each other, right? Yes. <laughs> like, they're making fun of the poor dude that they kill. I forgot his name. What's the name of the guy? What? Uh, in the, in Warmer the Wars? No, the the guy who's the, the POV for the prologue. I just remember Royce saying dance with me. Yeah. Because he was kind of badass. Mm-hmm. And an idiot. A badass idiot. Um, they were joking with each other, weren't they? Yeah. So. That's sad. They obviously have some, like, they're obviously not 
kind of zombies. Because uh, there seems to be some confusion in some circles, especially show-only circles, about the difference between the others and the whites, right? Oh, in, there shouldn't the be any concept. confusion. Yeah. Now that there's spooky skeletons in the show, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, whites whites are just the... The others have the ability to raise the dead mm-hmm. to fight for them. Yeah, and and, and, but the, the the whites are mindless zombies, but the others are not. Well, the whites are mindless zombies, but they're also mindless zombies that you could put on a mission, right? Yeah. Like that one white that attacked was after Jor Mormon. That was his object. That was his like objective going in there. That's right? true. So mindless to a degree, but uh, yeah. And then the others also just ride around on dead horses and shit. Yeah, giant spiders. We haven't seen any giant spiders yet. We haven't seen any stories. giant spiders, but yeah, that's gonna be gross as shit when they show up. Okay. Okay. Blood Raven. Yeah. All right. So, um, so the others are back. Mm-hmm. It's one of the first things we see in the entire series is the others are back. So it's obviously quite important. We don't know why they're back. We don't know what their goal is exactly. I think we could presume that it's the same goal they had during the long night, which is basically to take over. Of course. Yeah. Um, we don't know what get their all beef that, get is. Get all that warmth. But they hate warmth. They want to, like, no, that's what I mean. They want to, like, suck it out. all the warmth, yeah. Yeah. And, um, but the wall still seems to be working, right? They can't go south of the wall. For now. For it's now. Gonna com- it's going to come yeah. down, but yeah. Well, it kind of has to if the narrative demands it. Um, I don't Do you want to talk about some of the heresy speculation about why the others are back? Yeah, yeah. Let's just get into a little bit of that now before we jump into green seeing and, like, the because mm-hmm. Blood Raven is all the like potential solutions to it, really. Yeah. Um, one one thing that's kind of popular is um, the kind of I suppose it's a truism, a saying in the North that there must always be a Stark in Winterfell. Yes. Um, and how that might be related to this like kind of pact that we have with the others that I'm not sure why we're saying we humans, um, <laughs> that we are only broken and. Or maybe it has something to do with the wildlings and how the wildlings are coming south of the wall more and more. Well, see, there always has to be a Stark and Winterfell doesn't work at all. Why not? Timing. Yes. Because they're coming... Okay, so, um... You've never watched Stargate Atlantis. I have not watched Stargate Atlantis. Well, so, the big bads in Stargate... The big bads in Stargate Atlantis are these, uh, kind of parasitic aliens called the, the Wraith. And they kind of feed on human, like life energy or something i don't know they make it sciencey somehow but um <laughs> what happens are they is, carbon based yes <laughs> what <laughs> happens is they have these cycles of like every couple hundred years i think they like awaken and they have this time where they like they like feast on all the humans and the human population of the galaxy kind of like plummets right mm-hmm. and then they go hibernate uh to allow the human population to recover, basically. But there's always uh, a couple of wraith that remain awake, right? So there's still, like, periodic kind of cullings of the humans in the galaxy, right? Okay. Because, like, these wraith are, like, looking over the hibernating wraith or whatever, right? Uh, and that kind of, like, that's kind of what I think is going on with the others. They have, like, these cycles that they go through. Okay. Where there's always some others who are awake, and there's always, like, you know, some activity going on where they're killing, like, you know, a few humans here and there to sustain themselves. But, like, this, they kind of, they've reached the point of their cycle where it's time for their population to kind of boom like lemmings or whatever, right? Okay, so it's more of like, it, this isn't, 
like a, a tragic, like something man did to cause this. No, possibly, possibly like the, the lemming boom is precipitated by something we did. Okay. Right. Like they, they agreed to like, you know, maintain extremely low numbers, uh, as long as we like. My, my issue with all of, no, cause I do find that compelling. My mm-hmm. issue with all of this is like, I feel if there is an event that the humans did, if there's some action the humans did that well, violated the thing that, some kind of Yeah, fact. the thing that has happened quite recently, especially if we're talking about timescales of hundreds of years, or thousands of years, rather, is the Targaryens taking over Westeros, which precipitated the decline of the Night's Watch. Right? Yes. So that has happened fairly recently on the timescales we're dealing with. Yes. But... I guess I guess it could take them a few hundred years to react to it. Mm-hmm. And also, the Targaryens also brought dragons with them. And they there did. never there there was there's it's kind of hinted several times that there's a reason why the Valyrian Empire never reached to Westeros. If we're talking about connecting ice and fire, right? I'm, yeah, I'm trying to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So no, I'm I'm just so, trying to I'm I'm just trying to connect this whole thing with like the the Targaryens, the Targaryens, the dragons, the decline of the Night's Watch, and the rise of the others, and how they yeah. could all somehow be related. I agree with that to some extent, mm-hmm. but my issue is Aegon's conquering was a thousand years before three hundred pro- years. Three hundred, yeah, sorry, that's nothing. But that's uh, it takes him three hundred years to like address this, really. No, but like it might not have been like. Like, Aegon's conquests and the dragons of Westeros was just, like, the very start, right? Or okay. maybe it's even the death of the dragons. It could be. That, right? That like would maybe be even more some, recent. Yeah, there was, like, some kind of bounce. But, like, like the whole thing about the, the Targaryen conquest caused the Night's Watch to start to climb, right? Yes, that's true. And... That, and it became just kind of like a, a weird penal colony. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole thing, the night fort was abandoned. Like maybe that's extremely significant. And, yeah. And maybe like with this decline, there was also a decline in like the knowledge that was passed on within the night's watch. Yes. Like maybe well, there's something they're supposed to be doing that they don't know to do anymore. I like could this buy, is I could rampant like, speculation land. Right. Like rampant. I could buy any of this. Yeah, exactly. Yes. I don't like the idea of it taking 300 years for them to respond to something. I don't like, I, I, I could, obviously it's reasonable. I'm not saying it's not mm-hmm. reasonable. But to me, that's not like. Well, these are like extremely long-lived creatures. And like. Yeah. We're talking like, we're like, you know, the long night was 8,000 years ago. Yeah, that's true. For my own human brain, I'm like, eh, really? Well, you know, humans are the children. Would there, okay, but let's say, let's say it wasn't, let's say it wasn't a broken pact. Mm-hmm. Would there be another reason other than it's just like, you know, they have this cycle and it's time for them to feed again? Mm-hmm. Is it like something really boring as in like, you know, we don't know how this world works, but when it's tipped a certain way and you're not going to be off a winter for a while, is that when they're like, ooh, okay. But then there's also there's also the wonky seasons in Westeros, yeah. which I believe Word of God said that they're not natural, right? Right. So- they can't be. <laughs> Well, you know, it's a fantasy world. They can't be. Um, but um, if they were regular, I suppose they could be. But since they're all over the place. Um, right. So is it something – Is it, could it be even a boring reason as in like the others know that this is going to be one hell of a winter? So they're like – Yeah, right. exactly. That's the whole chicken and egg thing. Like do the do the others bring the darkness or does the darkness bring the others? Um, I like the others bringing the darkness more. Yeah, well, it's a lot more fantasy. Uh, we're talking yeah. in circles at this point. I mean like we have no idea – 
<laughs> right? No, and, this is why we don't like speculating. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I really like all of this, and I really like the idea of the children of the forest somehow, like, at least letting this happen, almost. Because we don't know, because um, Old Nan's story was cut off right before the interesting part, where the last hero finds the children, right? Yes. We, there, it does seem to be part of the folklore. That the child, like it was the last alliance of elves and men, basically, um, that the children somehow managed to beat back the others, but we don't know how that happened. And if it was like, you know, uh, Jaw Jaw instead of War War, especially, like maybe yeah. the children didn't fight with us. Maybe the children just kind of agreed to do something. Maybe. Or not do something. <laughs> it's all possible. We don't know. <laughs> Crest has been making sacrifices to the others for a while, right? Yeah, like a very long, because he, he doesn't have any sons. So possibly for as long as he's been having children. Yeah, so they've been around for a while. Yeah. In some facet. It's just that it's now getting back to the Night's Watch. No, the Night's Watch I've known for a very long time, too. No, I'm just saying, like, that's that's one of the reasons why I have the impression that there's always some others around. Yeah. There's just more of them now. And they're doing shit. Oh, uh, I don't know, man. Yeah. Okay, so you just do you want to just veer off into Blood Raven? Yeah, this is too well. Like it's we're in a speculative dead end. Is, mm-hmm. is the issue? I mean, it's I cannot wait to find out. I will. say Yeah, that. it's really cool. Like I, I'm not disinterested in any of it. I just mm-hmm. get a little like not frustrated. But I'm just kind of like, well, this is like pointless. Why are we doing this? Why are we speculating? Yeah, we're not gonna know. I'm sure whatever Martin has in mind is going to be cooler than what we can think of. Maybe I, I, it's been a. Very, we've been thinking about this for a very long time. This kind of thing. That's true. So maybe not. But I'm sure. I meant, I'm I meant sure me it will make sense. I meant we as in you and me personally. Yeah. But I mean, there's a lot of really good ideas in the heresy thread. Yeah, but um, I know people talk about something like um whether it's possible for the others to just be bad guys, and I think it definitely is. So I mean, they're kind of. I think they're more of a, like a force of nature. Well, they can be nuanced, and mm-hmm. like they're not, you know. Like you said, they could be a force of nature, but that doesn't mean that their presence needs to be good or uh, morally ambiguous. If I can talk about more obscure science fiction TV that you don't watch. Sure. Babylon 5. Okay. okay. So in Babylon 5, there are these two kind of ancient, very powerful alien races, the Vorlons and the Shadows, right? And for most of the series, the Vorlons are like our buddies, right? They're the, <laughs> they're the good ancient aliens. And the Shadows are these like very mysterious, very violent uh, very violent aliens who are the enemy, right? But mm-hmm. it slowly kind of emerges that, like, no, that's not quite how it works, because basically, like, the Vorlons and the Shadows have this old philosophical disagreement, and they like to use the younger alien races, and that include humans at this point, to kind of, you know, work out their issues, right? So the Vorlons are all about, like, protective paternalism and micromanaging all the alien races and their development. And the shadows are all about, like, precipitating conflict to, like, you know, make the cream rise to the top. Yeah, okay. But they're kind of equally the enemies and also equally the friends of the younger races, right? Oh, okay. And the the others and the children kind of sometimes remind me of that. I could see that, yeah. But... Then there's this whole checkbox thing about how the children created the others, which kind of put, put, puts that the kibosh on that, I think. <sighs> yeah. But I, it, I don't know what to make of that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do think it's legit. Mm-hmm. But, like, what? Just, like, throws a lot of things into... 
And then you had like, what season was it when when the Night's King took the baby to be made into another? That was like in season four, right? Yes, that was season four. Like even that, like we have no idea what the fuck's going on with that still. So it was just confirming what happens to Craster's sons, but little baby others. Yeah. (laughs) Do they hit puberty? Other puberty? (laughs) I forgot that scene existed. Mm -hmm. To be honest, it's pretty stupid. I remember, like, the music was trying really hard for it to be scary. But then you're like, oh, they're, like, standing around in these robes with this altar? <laughs> okay. Yeah, and if, like, the children made them, then why would they have, like, a religion? I don't know. Um, <laughs> they're like the Cylons now. All the obscure sci-fi TV. They're the Cylons, I thought, was what we agreed on last year. Yeah, they cut- Well, that- that's because, like, People seem to forget them as soon as they were mentioned. <laughs> they seem to they be, like, operating. John was like, John was like, we need to do this because the army of the dead is coming. And everyone's like, meh. <laughs> anyway, yeah, let's let's get off this train and get onto the Blood Raven train. Blood Raven. Who is Blood Raven, Julia? You're you're a bit more into the Dunkin' Egg stuff than I am. Um. Okay, so it is confirmed now, uh, multiple avenues, that... Blood Raven slash the Three-Eyed Crow is Brendan Rivers. Brendan Rivers was one of the great bastards. That is the one of the legitimized uh, child, uh, legitimized bastard children of Aegon the Fourth, a Targaryen king who was also a complete poophead, who, who was uh, of noble blood. That's why they're called the, the Great Bastards. His mother was a Blackwood that the king decided that he wanted to be his mistress, and she's like, okay. Uh, so she had all sorts of choices. Um, <laughs> what is, what is patriarchy? Yeah, but, uh, yeah, so he was a Targaryen loyalist during the Blackfire rebellions against his half-brother, Daemon Backfire, who was also a legitimized bastard of Aegon IV. He also had, like, a weird, not rivalry, but with Bittersteel. Mm-hmm, who was so, like, another one of his half-brothers. Yeah, they fucking hated each other. Yeah, because one of them was half Blackwood, one of them was half Bracken. Oh my god. That was, that was the only reason, but... <laughs> Yeah. Um and he was handed the king uh uh-huh. to Aenys the first, who was kind of um not exactly more he was kind of a Henry the Sixth type figure, like his priorities <laughs> were not ruling the kingdom. Uh no. yeah, and he kind of he did the best he could. Like he was obviously the one who was actually running the kingdom. And we actually uh we actually meet him in one of the Dunkin' Egg novellas. And he's a little creepy. Yeah, Egg doesn't like him. Uh Egg hates him. Like Holy shit. Everybody else, like, thought he was, like, he had, like, this secret police spy network kind of thing going on. And the saying was that he had a thousand eyes and one. Because and they say, he, yeah, and one, because he lost an he eye. He lost an eye at, on the Battle of the Red Glass Field uh, in a duel with uh, uh, Bittersteel, actually. Yeah, and instead of getting a glass eye or, like, a patch, he just walked around with an empty socket. Yeah, but he kind of, like, covered it with his hair, I think, at some point. Uh, so he does a very bad thing at one point uh, during the reign of Aenys, where one, uh, he offers, like, basically to to Jaw Jaw with the latest Blackfire Pretender. I think he was, I forget what his name was. It might have been, like, Damon the Third or something. I thought, was it the third or the second? No, because the second was the guy who kept on hitting on Egg. Yes. Uh, yeah, so, but his name might not have been Damon. They weren't all named Damon. I forget. But, um, <laughs> so. They were just mostly named Yeah, him. so this particular Blackfire pretender actually went to King's Landing thinking that they were going to hash this whole, uh, Blackfire thing out. But 
uh, Blood Raven ended up arresting him and ex- executed him kind of summarily. And when Makar came to the throne, Makar decided this was not kosher, and he basically, like... Well, it really wasn't. It no. was very dishonorable. It was very dishonorable. It broke, like, all of the, like, guest right thingies and the bubbers and all that stuff. So, uh, Makar basically put him in jail indefinitely. Uh, but when Egg came to the throne, Egg decided that, oh, he's going to let him go during the night's watch. Right? Egg is a conciliator. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he actually ends up going up north to join the night's watch with Aemon. Didn't he, didn't he become the, uh, he was the Lord Commander? Yeah, he was eventually elected Lord Commander. But then he disappeared on a ranging. And as far as history is concerned, that was the end of his story. Yeah, but, but somehow um, it turned out. <laughs> because Blood Raven, like, even in the Duncan Egg novellas, uh, Blood Raven is really kind of, like, into magic and mysticism and old god kind of stuff. Because remember, he's half Blackwood, so he was always a follower of the old gods. Um, and it turns out, basically, he somehow ended up in this cave with a bunch of children of the forest. And now he's, like, in, in part the, of the, in the part, land of always winter. Yeah. Is it that far north? Is it? I thought it was. Maybe it's not that far north. I don't think it's I that far north. I don't, I don't um, fucking know. Yeah, but yeah, somehow he ended up basically. They they call him the last green seer, and it's kind of it's kind of implied that there's been like a string of these men, right? Yes. Yeah, because there's there's all these skeletons in the cave, right? And mo- they're yes. they're human skeletons. They're not all children. Yes. Or, some are ch- some are children. Some but are yes. children. Okay, so so there's this like one dude who seems to always be there, but they they seem to live a lot longer than regular humans. So God knows how long this has been going back. Probably since the well was built, right? Yeah, I'm sure of that. How there's there's this dude who's like connected to the weirwood, the weirwood network somehow, and like Brendan Brendan is like super fucking old mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah. So the. He's he's on the throne. It's a weirwood throne, mm-hmm. but the roots have kind of grown all around him and through his empty eye socket and shit. Yeah. So he's like, and his flesh is kind of like coming off at this point. I think we can assume that the same kind of shit happened to him that's been happening to Bran, right? That like he was kind of contacted somehow, like in a moment of crisis in a dream, yeah. and then since then he he felt that incredible compulsion. To go up north of the wall, right? Yeah. The same yes, way that yes. Bran from the entire series has been like, I have to go north of the wall. I have to find the three eyed crow. And like, it, it wasn't always articulated exactly why or what he had to do, but he just felt Yeah, granted, like, granted um, Bran had Jojen, Jojen yeah. come along to get him there. Yeah, but and, even like, before that, he was just like, So what's it like north of the wall? How can I get there? How far is it? Like, you know, yeah. he was always answering these questions and, and like, you know, God, God knows what uh, Bridget's moment of crisis was and how long it lasted in his life. It was very uh, close encounters of the third kind, where mm-hmm. you know everyone's playing the theme on the xylophone or whatever. The yeah, th- yeah. Second like Battlestar Galactica, all along the Watchtower. Yes. <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's 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 who he is. Yeah, and um, Bran is supposed to take his place. I guess. Um, he's been reaching out to Bran mm-hmm. in. Brent, he's he's the three-eyed crow. Yeah, uh, do you want me to repeat the dream? It's even longer than the old man's story. Yes. So this is the dream that Bran has after he, uh, Jamie, pushes him out of the tower. And this is kind of like the moment of crisis that made him connect to this whole thing, right? So uh, Bran is having a dream that he's he's falling, right? I can't fly, Bran said. I can't, I can't. How do you know? Have you ever tried? The voice was high and thin. 
Bren looked around to see where it was coming from. A crow was spiraling down with him, just out of reach, following him as he fell. Help me, he said. Help me! I'm trying, the, the crow replied. Say, got any corn? And this is where the break is, I think. Um, yeah. The crow took the to the air, cawing. Not that it shrieked. Forget that. You do not need to know. Put it aside. Put it away. This, I think he was he was picturing Jamie. Um, mm-hmm. Forget about that whole thing where you were pushed out of a tower, kid. It landed on Bran's sh- shoulder and pecked at him, and the shining gold face was gone. Bran was falling faster than ever. The gray mists howled around him as he plunged towards the earth below. What are you doing to me? He asked the crow tearfully, teaching you how to fly. I can't fly. You're flying right now. I'm falling. Every f- flight begins with a fall, the crow said. Look down. I'm afraid. Look down. All caps. Um, Bran looked down. He felt his insides turn to water. The ground was rushing up at him now. The whole world was spread out below him, a tapestry of white and brown and green. He could see everything so clearly that for a moment he forgot to be afraid. He could see the whole realm and everyone in it. He saw Winterfell as the eagles see it, the tall towers looking squat and stubby from above, the castle walls just lines in the dirt. He saw Maester Lewin on his balcony, studying the sky through a polished bronze tube and frowning as he made notes in a book. He's finding the comment. Um, that's what he's doing. Totally. Yeah. Um, he saw his brother Rob, taller and stronger than he remembered him, practicing swordplay in the yard with real steel in his hands. He saw Hodor, the simple giant from the stables, carrying an anvil to Micken's forge, hefting it onto his shoulder as easily as another man might heft a bale of hay. At the heart of the godswood, the great white weirwood brooded over its reflection in the black pool, its leaves rustled in chill wind. When it felt Brad watching, it lifted its eyes from the still waters and stared back at him knowingly. He looked east and saw a galley racing across the water of the bight. He saw his mother sitting in a, alone in a cabin, looking at a bloodstained mouth, knife on a table in front of her, as the rowers pulled their oars and Sir Roderick leaned across a rail, shaking and heaving. A storm was gathering ahead of them, a vast, dark, roaring, roaring lashed by lightning. But somehow they could not see it. It's a symbolic storm. No. He looked south and saw the, the great uh, blue-green rush of the trident. He saw his father pleading with the king, his face etched with grief. He saw Sansa crying herself to sleep at night, and he saw Arya watching in silence and holding her secrets hard in her heart. There were shadows around them. One shadow was dark as ash, with the terrible face of a hound. Another was armored like the sun, beautiful and golden. Over them loomed a giant in armor made of stone. But when he opened his visor, there was nothing inside but darkness and thick black blood. Well, hey, Robert. <laughs> he <laughs> he lifted his eyes and saw clear across the narrow sea, to the free cities and the green Dothraki Sea and beyond, to vase Dothrak under its mountains, to the fabled lands of the Jade Sea, to a shy by the shadows, where dragons stirred beneath the sunrise. Finally, he looked north. He saw the wall shining like blue crystal, and his bastard brother John sleeping alone in a cold bed, his skin glowing pale and hard as as all memory of warmth fled from him. He looked past the wall, past endless forests cloaked in snow, past the frozen shore and the great uh, blue-white rivers of ice and the dead plains where nothing grew or lived. North and north and north he looked, to the curtain of light at the end of the world, and then beyond that curtain. He looked deep into the heart of winter, and then he cried out, afraid, 
and the heat of his tears burned on his cheeks. Now you know, the crow whispered as it sat on his shoulders. Now you know why you must live. Why, Rand said, not understanding, falling, falling, because winter is coming. Rand looked at the crow on his shoulders, and the crow looked back. It had three eyes, and the third eye was full of terrible knowledge. Rand looked down. There was nothing below him now but snow and cold and death, a frozen lace sand where jagged blue-white blue spires of ice waited to embrace him. They flew up at him like spears, and he saw the bones of thousand, a, a thousand other dreamers impaled upon their points. He was desperately afraid. Such a good passage. And it's right there, right at the fucking beginning of A Game of Thrones. I know. Like, I mean, I will still always defend A Feast for Crows and A Dance of Dragons with my life, but mm. it is nice to know that he's a man with a plan. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, but, yeah, this is basically, uh, this raven, this crow, sorry. Jesus, I can't believe I said that. This crow <laughs> that came, uh, to Bran. It's obviously, it's Blood Raven. And, um, there are a few other crows kind of hanging around in the north. Yeah. That might also be connected to him in some way. What? At the wall, maybe? Are you talking about the, are you talking about the crows at the wall? Yes. Well, one particular crow. Oh, at oh, the wall. oh, you mean, you mean literal crows? Yes. Yes, yes, so Mormont's crow, right? Yeah, or the Raven one who seems quite interested in John. Yeah, that seems to be very... It's If it's not Blood Raven controlling it, it's something connected to that. Yeah. Because that 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 dude seems very interested in getting John elected <laughs> <laughs> Lord Commander. That, that even that, like, like you, like, you know, in, in the Game of Thrones, like, he calls him king and things like that, right? So... Yeah, he calls him king, and, you know, keep in mind, Bloodraven is a Targaryen, or, mm -hmm. I mean, well, he was legitimized, so. Yeah, well, he's not, he's not a Targaryen, anyway. he was legitimized, he's just not a bastard. It's complicated. Yeah. Um, but I, he has Targ blood, he's yes. half, yeah. So that would be of interest to him anyway. I mean, like, because he's kind of, uh, like, I, an ice and fire kind of figure himself because of his Blackwood blood, right? Yes, correct. So that would be another reason why he would be particularly interested in John. And yeah, Mormon's Raven is like not not normal. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, and like we do, we do know from a dance with dragons that like when uh, a skin changer goes into a raven, in particular, they t they talk about the crows and the, the ravens that are hanging out the cave. That like Brad could feel the old singers inside those crow inside those crows, right? Yeah, he goes into one, he mm -hmm. he skin changes into one, and he can feel like he's not alone, there's like a girl with him. Yeah. And he's like, what the fuck was that? And, and Leaf was like, just like yeah. yeah, they all have them. They all have yeah. someone in them. Because like, these are like the training birds, right? So they've all been, yeah. they've all been skin changed into multiple but he, times. But he also says like, you know, when you guys used to deliver messages, like the birds used to actually say the words, but now yeah. everyone's forgotten how to do that. Yeah. But like, you get the impression that there's always been like, people in these fucking birds yeah which is really like you can talk about going down a rabbit hole mm -hmm. like holy shit every time a crow and a raven is mentioned yeah. in a song of ice and fire i mean the corn coat is nothing but no. like <laughs> the corn coat yeah. is just like let's look for patterns and noise but um <laughs> hey you want to explain the corn coat to people who haven't been around that long yeah, the corn code was just like this theory that was born out of, I don't, I don't even know where it was first proposed. But I think it was, it was on the like, Westerstone Oak forums, actually. 
Yeah, it was like any time. I don't know if it was specific to Mormon's Raven. Yeah, because but... he, was, he likes to say corn a lot, like begging for food, basically. And like yes. it was like the amount of times he says it, and like and whether like the, there's the... commas or italics, like all sorts and, like, of things the pauses, like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It like predicts it when, when somebody's gonna die and things like that. <laughs> yeah, it was like the corn code is the key to everything, and like this is all Blood Raven communicating by saying the word corn, and mm. it was really, really strange. But Martin thought it was funny. <laughs> he was basically just like, no, <laughs> we're not that smart. <laughs> well, and like, he's not writing a jigsaw puzzle as, yeah, much, as exactly. much. Like, this stuff is a mystery that we're talking about right now, but it's not like, it's not like that. <laughs> it's not what we read. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, Brent, Brendan has been watching Bran for a while. Yeah, and he's just like, what took you so long to get here? <laughs> right. Yeah, and Bran getting pushed from the tower was his, like, you know, wake-up moment. <laughs> because symbolism, I guess. I yeah. Uh, and then Jojen, from a, who is a chronic man, yeah. has green dreams. And his green dreams kind of were pulling him north, too. And he knew his job was to get Bran to this cave. Yeah. Green dreams are, like, prophetic dreams, right? Yeah, and that's all he has. He's not a green seer. He has green dreams. As he says, now his part's over. Yeah, it's kind of depressing. He may or may not be turned into paste. I'm, like, more convinced than ever after rereading it. Jojen paste? Yeah. I don't know, maybe, like, they didn't kill him. It was, it was kind of like uh, the Maasai kind of bleed their cows and they uh, mix the blood with the milk. Well, right. Brent... Maybe they just bled him a little bit. Well, Jojen was, like, talking about that possibility, and Brown's like, are they going to kill me? And Mira's like, don't scare him. And Jojen just goes, he's not the one that should be afraid. Yeah. So, not good stuff going on there. <laughs> now, people seem to, to score Jojen paste, right? But... I don't know why. Okay, should, should we talk about that chapter? Well, let's talk about the brand chapters and yeah. Dragons. I think we might be there. Um, so, we'll do, like, a high-level recap. We love those. Um... <laughs> So basically, by a dance, the first, uh, so the first two books are basically Bran and Winterfell chilling, uh, just talking with Mira and Jojen a little bit. But by the third book, he has left Winterfell and he's traveling to the wall. And at the very end of a, a story of sorts, he actually goes beyond the wall, right? Like, uh, Sam comes, finds him at the night fort. And he's yeah, Sam gets him. And yeah, and he's not in a feast for crows, but in a dance with dragons, we meet up. He's traveling north of the wall with this mysterious figure called Cold Hands, who uh, saved who saved Sam and Gilly from uh, a white attack. Right. I just keep thinking about Benjamin Cold Hands. <laughs> don't, don't, don't let the show poison this. <laughs> um, so Cold Hands is this mysterious figure who says, "I will take you to the Three Eyed Crow," basically. So when we meet up with them, they've they've been walking north of the wall for weeks, if not months, right? At this point, yes. Uh, and they're pretty fucking miserable. Um, and Bran is super comfortable now, skin changing into summer, especially, and even into Hodor, because one thing that he started doing in A Story of Swords, it was first it was an accident. Now he's doing it on purpose. He's skin changing into Hodor, which we know from Faramir's Six Skins is like taboo, right? Yeah, you're really not supposed to yeah, do that. Yeah, it's, it's like, it's fucking I mean, Varamy Ver- tried to do it for survival at the very end of his chapter. Um, and he, he's and- a piece of shit, and even he was like, 
yeah, this is a last resort. Uh, and so, it was like, and, and the woman like fought him off and like bit off her on tongue and like yeah. went crazy. So this is, this is, this is like dark shit that Brand is doing right now. Skin changing it to Hodor. But he's doing yeah. it all the time and he seems quite comfortable with it at this point. Um, well, I mean, he's, I wouldn't say he's like mentally comfortable with it. Yeah. But like he's There's talking about like how Hodor, like at first Hodor thought, fought him, but now like he can feel that Hodor just kind of goes into this like place in his mind. And just waits for him to go away, right? Like, and just like, ugh, the implications of that. I don't like it. Um, and so that they have a pack of wolves following, uh, following them and things like that. And he like skin changes into summer and he can like, you know, he can go hunting, but the hunting is terrible. Uh, Cold Hands is like, don't worry, I'll take care of the wolves. And as soon as Cold Hands is gone, Mira and Jojen and Bran talk about how they do not trust this dude, right? Well, because he's, like, obviously not alive. Yeah, he doesn't breathe. Like, they can't see his breath. Like, it's, like, minus 50,000 degrees or whatever. But they can't see his breath. Yeah. Uh, and here's a little passage that I like. Bran found himself remembering the tales old Nan had, had told him when he was a babe. Beyond the, mo- the wall the monsters live, the giants and the ghouls, the stalking shadows and the dead that walk, she would say, tucking him beneath his scratchy woolen blanket. But they cannot pass so long as the wall stands strong and the men of the Night's Watch are true. So go to sleep, my little Brandon, my baby boy, and dream sweet dreams. There are no monsters mm. here. Good thing the men of the Night's Watch aren't mutinying. Yeah. <laughs> what timing? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and isn't it weird that John felt cold? Just saying. Um, what? That's kind of my... Pet thing that will be kiboshed like the second I open. The no, tell me what it is. No, just that, um, cause the last thing that John says in his chapter is that he feels the cold. Yeah. What happens when you feel the cold? The others are coming. Yeah. Same. <laughs> so. But would, wouldn't that just... be, wouldn't that be a super cool opening to the winds of winter? The wall coming down? Same. Um, it would be fitting. Yeah. So they find shelter in a village and they're just generally cold and miserable. And uh, Bran goes into summer and he sees him taking over a wolf pack and they they attack a group of straggling uh, uh, wildlings who are stragglers from the Battle of the Wall. And then he wakes and then- up and possible cannibalism. Probable well, cannibalism. Is like, oh, look at this meat I just yeah. found. Oh, I found pork. And you know what they say human meat tastes like. Um, <laughs> well, does that mean that Arya, when she's like, what the hell am I eating? And they're like, it's just pork. No, 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 no. But that was probably just to see this, actually. Um, so, uh, probable cannibalism, okay? Um, they don't particularly blame them, <laughs> but, you know. So, uh, the trio confront Coltan. Well, Jojen is, like, really, really poorly at this point, but... Yeah, Mira and Bran basically confront Cold Hands, and he ba- he admits to being dead, and he says that he can't he can't pass through the wall because the wall is warded, right? There's ancient magic in it. Yeah, uh, which, he's fucking dead. Yeah, he's dead. Uh, who sent you? Who is this three-eyed crow? A friend, dreamer, wizard, call him what you will. The last green seer. The long hall's wooden doors banged open. Outside, the night wind howled, bleak and black. The trees were full of raven. Ravens, screaming. Cold hands did not move. A monster, Bran said. The ranger looked at Bran as if the rest of him them did not exist. You're a monster, Bran Stark. 
Yours, the, the raven echoed from his shoulder. Outside the door, the ravens in the trees took up the cry until the night's wood echoed with, to the murderer's song of yours, yours, yours. Murderers as in it's a murder of crows. That's the official. Yes. That's the official word. Um, okay. I don't, I don't know what the fuck's going on with cold hands ever. No. Um, well, <laughs> one theory that seems to be quite convincing to many people is that he's basically just like a meat puppet that's being controlled. That's what I said, but like, I don't know now. Yeah, well, kind of like the same way that maybe that uh, that Brad is controlling Hodor, right? Upset that Cold Hands is obviously dead, so it's probably not exactly the same thing. Yeah, he'd just be a meat sack. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I really don't know anymore. Yeah. Well, he's not Benjen. <laughs> he's not Benjen. Yeah, but there might be a reason why he why he's not showing his face. Maybe it's just because his face is all rotten off, and that would be gross, you know. But. But, like, what's the other possibility? Like, the Night's King, we've, we've been over this in our theories thing. Like, yeah. there's there's only a few faces that would be meaningful. But, like, the crow in this passage is obviously... Is obviously yes, blending. so why would yeah. Wolverine be controlling both of them? Like, it's overkill. Yeah. That's true. Which is why I'm, like, maybe the meat puppet thing isn't... <laughs> oh, I don't know. I can't go back down this rabbit hole. He's not Benjen. And yeah. we, know, we know he's not Benjen because um, Martin's editor... Asked that as a question. Basically said so. You know, yeah. Well, yeah, he was like marking up a draft and he was like, oh, is this Benjen? And Martin wrote, no, in caps with an exclamation. <laughs> okay, so Brand 2 and A Dance of Dragons, uh, they reach the yeah, cave. Yeah, and that, that is also warded, so Cold Hands cannot. Crows. Yeah, Cold Hand cannot enter. The cave is warded, he said, which is fucking fascinating. I want to know why. And, or how. Um, he talks about, yeah. Um, he talks about how the White Walkers, the others, like, they can walk on top of snow like Legolas. Um, They're off to find the sun. So, like, so, like, if they were there, you wouldn't be able to see them, right, basically. Like, they leave no footprints. They leave no traces. They're always there. Yeah, they're just creepy as shit. And, yeah, Jojen is basically dying at this point. He's super weak. And, like, they basically make a run for their to the cave. And all of a sudden, Whites start attacking them. It's as though, like, Cold Hands, his, like, Cold Hands' presence was somehow protecting them, and now he can't do that. Were they under the snow, too? Or is that, am I conflating? I, yes, yes, I think they were. They weren't skeletons, I will tell you that. (laughs) Well, maybe some, like, yeah. They're, they're in various states of... Decomposition, but ice preserves things pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then somebody pops up, basically, and starts fighting them off with fire. And for a second, uh, Bran mistakes her for Arya, but it's it's this child who we will come to know as Leaf. Yes. Yeah, um d- yeah, like the fight itself it's not really that worth getting into. It's a little confusing. Bran has yeah. to warg into Hodor. It's kinda like Tyre. Yeah, Bran has to warg into Hodor to like fight his way through things. Bran's own body kinda gets buried under snow. It's actually Leaf who does that to protect him, like all this stuff. It's it's not really yeah. that um it's not really that interesting, but they go in and, and they're like, What about Coldhands? and she's like, No, he can't die. They killed him long ago. Don't worry about it. It's just like yeah. creepy as shit. She doesn't look like a fairy from a lunchbox. No. Or whatever the new design was, which was better, but I still don't know what it was. Way better. I still don't know. Yeah. They take him deep into the cave, and there's like this like abyss kind of area, and abyss. And yeah. there's like a throne, and at first, uh, they think there's just like a corpse sitting on the throne, and then they realize it's like a dude. It's a- yeah, a lord in Ebon Finery. <laughs> The pale lord. Um, 
Bran's like, oh, okay, are you the three-eyed crow? And he's just like, a crow? Once I, black of garb and now black of blood. Because he's weird as shit. <laughs> yeah, and Bran, he still doesn't quite understand. And he's just like, can you give me back my legs? Yeah, like he thinks that was kind of his destiny of coming here. Yeah. And he says, you will never walk again, Bran, but you will fly. You will fly. Oh, that's so nice. Um, Bran... Why don't you talk about Bran 3 since you did all the notes for it? Okay. Because I had to go to a birthday party. Uh, So yeah, Bran 3 does this kind of strange thing. Uh, and this only happens a couple of times in the in the series. Kind of famously in the Victorian chapter. Yeah, that was weird. Where the first and last paragraph break third person limited and go into mm-hmm. third person, like, regular type. Omniscient, Omniscient. I guess. <laughs> Omniscient. <laughs> um, yeah. it, you don't hear anyone's thoughts in these paragraphs or anything like that, but it just, it talks about Bran as, like, the boy. Or a boy. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's very a strange setting for it. It, it. it, like, opens where it's, like, outside there are these zombies milling around, and then inside there's a boy sitting on the throne. And you're like, okay. so And that's how it's introduced. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just, it's jarring when that happens. So, basically, we're just, like, in the cave for a while. We're learning a little thing. We're learning that, we learn that the children of the forest consider Bloodraven the last green seer. They built a throne for Bran that he gets stuck on, and he doesn't really like it. He doesn't like any of this. He, yeah, he doesn't stay there all the time. He's like, yeah, but he also like thinks that this whole thing is kind of horrifying. Like he sees what Bloodraven looks like. He's like, I don't want to be that. This is weird. I don't <laughs> want to be like tied to a tree. Um, the children of the forest are like singing pretty much nonstop, and and Brynden calls them the singers. And they who sing, and the crows react to their songs. Uh, they tell... They've been here for quite a while because, like, uh, Mira and Jojen and Bran have given names to all the singers and things yeah. like that. It's kind of cute. Yeah. And, uh, Leaf, Leaf, they get, uh, we get to know kind of well. She's, she's pretty helpful and she's always talking. She, like, explains that... She's, she's like the one who speaks the common Yeah, time. she, like, explains that Brendan has been there, like, well beyond his mortal span. And then she says, yet he lingers for you, for us, for the realms of men. Um... Jojin, meanwhile, is like he's healthier. I mean, he's in—he's not in physical mm-hmm. danger at the moment, and they have blind fish to eat. But he's basically sullen and given up. And the gods, you know, gave me only green dreams. My task was to get you here, and my part's done. Yeah. Uh, they go. Jojin's been kind of like annoyingly optimistic <laughs> until this point, right? He's just like, "This is not my day to die, sister. Don't worry about me." Now he's kind of stopped saying that. Yeah. And that, that's, like, really upsetting Mira, also. Mm-hmm. Um, and me, so, meanwhile, like, he's getting lessons from Brendan about, like, skin cha- Like, he skin changes into a raven, and we mentioned the girl that he feels when he skin changes into it. And mm-hmm. Brendan is just being creepy as shit, and, like, darkness will make you strong. Don't be afraid of it. And you're like, okay. This is fine. Um, and then Bran is, like... You know, Mira and Jojen, like, go off to explore the cave sometimes, and mm-hmm. Bran slips into Hodor more, and this is really, the, this is where they talk about him curling up and hiding when Bran goes there. Yeah. And he's like, I'll give it back, I always do, you don't need to be scared of me, but, like, you, there's a sense of not good stuff surrounding his decision to be doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, Mira is just, like, really, really, really upset that Jojen is, like, giving up on everything, and she kind of, like, runs off crying, and Bran's, like, really upset that he can't go after her, and it's sad. It is. Like, for real. Yeah. But, whatever. No yeah. time to dwell on this, because he has to have a taste that kind of 
to set. Yeah, it's supposed to like like open his third eye, right? Do they they say that, right? Yeah, and it sounds not dissimilar to the nightshade that Danny had, where it's like gross at first and then it gets really good. Yeah, there's, there's something like that in Harry Potter too, is it there? I'm trying to think. Or, no, I'm thinking of um, Alice in Wonderland, where <laughs> she has that that potion that tastes like something different every time she swallows it. Oh. Like, oh, it's roast beef. Now it's custard. <laughs> yeah, I know. Because Harry- that seems to be that seems to be kind of like an old thing that like magical potions do, right? And I li- and I like the idea of it is like gross, and then it gets really good. And that like I'm I'm wondering if this is nightshade ish. It doesn't seem similar at all in terms of its composition, but mm-hmm. the experience was similar. Uh, so, and yeah, 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 they tell him that this is how he will see. So he eats the paste, and then. Bloodraven is like, just reach out into the tree. Yeah. So he, to the tree specifically. Yeah, like, like, skin change into the tree. So he does, and his first vision is good old Ned sharpening ice, like he does probably like every day. So, so it's just like Tuesday <laughs> in Winterfell. <laughs> Brand sees him, and he's like, oh, it's dead. And- Do you want to read the whole dream? Yeah, you know what? Let me just read the end part of this chapter. I don't know why I'm like beating around this bush, because this is like a really interesting. This is one of my favorite passages by far. Bran closed his eyes and slipped free of his skin. Into the roots, he thought. Into the weirwood. Become the tree. For an instant, he could see the cavern in its black mantle, could hear the river rushing by below. Then, all at once, he was back home again. Lord Eddard Stark sat upon a rock beside a deep black pool in the godswood, with pale roots of the heart tree twisting around him like an old man's gnarled arms. The great sword ice lay across Lord Eddard's lap, and he was cleaning the blade with an oilcloth. Winterfell, Bran whispered. His father looked up. Who's there? he asked, turning. <laughs> so I try. And Bran, frightened, pulled away. His father and the black pool and the gods would faded, and they were gone and he was back in the cavern, the pale, thick roots of his weirwood throne cradling his limbs as a mother does a child. A, touch f- a torch flared to life before him. Tell us what you saw. From far beyond... Oh, no, that's Leaf saying it. <clears throat> Tell us what you saw. From far away, Leaf looked almost a girl no older than Bran or one of his sisters, but close, she seemed far older. She claimed to have seen two hundred years. Bran's throat went very dry. He swallowed. Winterfell. I was back in Winterfell. I saw my father. He's not dead. He's not. I saw him. He's back at Winterfell. He's still alive. No, said Leaf. He's gone, boy. Do not seek to call him back from death. I saw him. Bran could feel rough wood pressing against one cheek. Could feel rough wood. He was cleaning ice. You saw what you wished to see. Your heart yearns for the father in your home, so that is what you saw. Oh my god, that's what Dustin Bobby says. A man must know how to look before he can hope to see, said Lord Brendan. Those... Those were shadows of the days past you saw, Bran. You were looking through the eyes of the heart tree in your godswood. Time is different for tree than for a man. Sun and soil, sun and soil and water. These are the things a weirwood understands, not days and years and centuries. For man, time is a river. We are trapped in its flow, hurtling from past to present, always in the same direction. The lives of the trees are different. They root and grow and die in one place, and the river does not move them. The oak is the acorn, the acorn is the oak, and the weirwood. A thousand human years are a moment to a weirwood, and that through such gates you and I may gaze into the past. But, said Bran, he heard me. He heard a whisper on a wind, 
a rustling among the leaves. You cannot speak to him, try as you might. I know. I have my own ghost, Bran. A brother that I loved. A brother that I hated. A woman I desired. Shira. Though the, through the trees, I still see them, but no word of mine has ever reached them. The past remains the past. We can learn from it, but we cannot change it. I'm going to pause. This is a really long passage, dude. Just go right, right to the dream. Okay. Yeah, then Bran has a dream at the end, which is what... Yeah, because he goes back to his, like, bunker. He did not remember closing his eyes. But then somehow he was back at Winterfell again, in the godswood looking down upon his father. Lord Eddard seemed much younger this time. His hair was brown with no hint of gray in it. His head bowed. Let them grow up as close as brothers, with only love between them, he prayed. And let my lady wife find it in her heart to forgive. I'm sorry, I'm not laughing at you, Ned. I'm laughing with you. Father... Bran's voice was a whisper on the wind, a rustle in the leaves. Father, it's me. It's Bran. Brandon. Eddard Stark lifted his head and looked long at the weirwood, frowning. But he did not speak. He cannot see me, Bran realized, despairing. He wanted to reach out and touch him, but all he could do was watch and listen. I am the tree. I am inside the heart tree, looking out of its red eyes. But the weirwood cannot talk, so I can't. Eddard resumed his prayer. Bran felt his eyes well up with tears, but were they his own tears or the weirwoods? If I cry, will the t- tree begin to weep? The rest of his father's words were drowned out by a sudden clatter of wood on wood. Eddard Stark dissolved, like mist on a morning sun. Now two children danced across the godswood, hooting at one another as they dueled with broken branches. The older was a girl and the taller of the two. Arya, Bran thought eagerly, as he watched her leap up onto a rock and cut the boy. But that couldn't be right. If the girl was Arya, the boy was Bran himself, and he had never worn his hair so long. And Arya never beat me at playing swords, the way that girl is beating him. She slashed... Probably has. <laughs> she slashed the boy across his thigh. So hard his leg went out. Jesus, Lana. So hard his leg went out from under him, and he fell into the pool and began to splash and shout. You be quiet, stupid! The girl said, tossing her own branch aside. It's just water. Do you want old Nan to hear and run and tell father? She knelt and pulled her brother from the pool, but before she got him out, the two were gone. After that, the glimpses came faster and faster till Bran was feeling lost and dizzy. He saw no more of his father, no girl who looked like Arya, but a woman, heavy with child, emerged naked and dripping from a black pool, knelt before the tree, and begged for the old gods for a son who would avenge her. Then there came a ta- uh, Then there came a brown-haired girl, slender as a spear, who stood on the tips of her toes to kiss the lips of a young knight as tall as Hodor. Oh, hold on. Get some. (laughs) (laughs) A dark-eyed youth, pale and fierce, sliced three branches off the weirwood and shaped them into arrows. The tree itself was shrinking, growing smaller. That that was Brandon Snow, right? Yeah. I think so. What was his name? Yeah. His, uh, Torrens, uh, Yes, that was always my impression of that. The tree itself was shrinking, growing smaller with each vision, whilst lesser trees dwindled into saplings and vanished, only to be replaced by other trees that would dwindle and vanish in their turn. And now the... You know what would be nice? Hmm? A visual adaptation of this book. <laughs> this it cries for it, man. Yeah. All the dream sequences. Anyway, continue. And now the, and now the Lord's brand glimpsed were tall and hard, stern men in fur and chainmail. Some wore faces he remembered from the statues in the crypts, but they were gone before he could put a name to them. Hint, Brandon. Then, as he watched, a bearded man forced a captive down onto his knees before a heart tree. A white-haired woman stepped f- toward 
them through a drift of dark red leaves, a bronze sickle in her hand. No, Bran said, no, don't. But they could not hear him, no more than his father had. The woman grabbed the captive by the hair, hooked the sickle round his throat, and slashed. And through the mists of centuries, the broken boy could only watch as the man's feet drummed against the earth. But as his life flowed out of him in a red tide, Brandon Stark could taste the blood. Wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> so that, that's what I'm talking about with the third person thing, where it's the boy, mm-hmm. the broken boy. Yeah. What a passage. Yeah. Well, okay, so there's quite a bit to unpack. So what seems to happen is he falls asleep, but he's also kind of still skin-changing, right, into the weirwood. Well, he fell asleep, but he basically, like, just had that – he just had the pace for the first time, so he's awakening as a weirwood or whatever it is. Yeah, so he's kind of – he's going back in time, basically. So the first scene he sees is a fairly recent one with his father. This is probably, like, right after – the war, mm-hmm. where, you know, he's coming and he, he showed up with his baby and Catelyn's like, what the fuck? And so he's... Let them grow as brothers. Yeah. Good job, Ned. Yeah, so... Yeah, he might be hiding something there. But, um... <laughs> yeah, so, but then it goes back to Lyanna and Benjen playing. And then it goes back further, which, uh... Something happens. I mean, there's there's a lot of speculation about how, like... Something happened with the Targs to this, this woman wants revenge on the Targs. And that's was this where not the a, Southern Ambition thing comes from. Was this not addressed with the uh, She-Wolves of Winter, Winterfell? What was it? Yeah, but th- that had to have been after that. Because mm. the next scene is possibly Dunk and Old Nan. By possibly, we mean, yeah. We mean definitely. Because like, there's been a speculation for a long time that... Uh, Hodor is the descendant of Dunk from the Duncan Ings novellas. And so is Brienne, apparently. So, yeah, Dunk got around. Um, <laughs> but, and the woman who was kissing his old man. So that, like, the only time that we know of that he's going to be in Winterfell is the She-Wolves of Winterfell. And the thing with a pregnant woman and the revenge. Happened before. Is before, is before that in the visions. So it had to have been more recently than that. Yeah. But it could be, like, quite directly after. Like, maybe shit that happens in She-Wolves of Winterfell's. Leads to the pregnant woman coming out of the water, right? I guess. So we have absolutely no idea what's going on with that. And then the next vision is something that's discussed in the world of Ice and Fire, where when Aegon the Conqueror comes, he wants to conquer the North. The bastard half-brother of King Torin is, he wants, he makes these like three arrows out of werewoods, and he thinks that he can use them to kill the dragons. But before he can, like even try, Torin uh, submits to Aegon, right? He kneels, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's not Dornish, poor guy. Um, and then all he sees is flashes of various kings of the north slash kings of winter, right? Yeah, and uh, I, I just I just love the whole like it's speeding up and it's just so cool. And the trees, kind of like they they always show that in nature documentaries, you know, <laughs> which we have, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, the shrinking, like like you know, let's go back to the time of the dinosaurs and like the mountains and the trees and <laughs> stuff. Going. Uh, yeah, I was sucker for shit like that. It's very notable that the last vision seems to be some kind of blood sacrifice of some sort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, the speculation is that like this is when the tree was awakened, right? That where was require a blood sacrifice in order to like awake and if we go with this idea that the green seer 
is part of the trees somehow, like part of the same godhead as the weirwood trees, then like maybe this is Brad's awakening slash blood sacrifice, right? So Jojen paste. <laughs> yeah, well, so Jojen paste, but like maybe not literal blood. Who knows? Maybe, but he can taste the blood. Yeah, he can taste. He can taste the blood of the sacrifice through the tree, right? Because he's part of the trees. <laughs> But it's yeah. Uh, I really wish that we were that we were watching it. Yeah, it was on the screen, and they had a lot of budget to make it happen. <sighs> yeah, so that's all we have for Brand, basically. That's my father. <sighs> you know what? Let's not talk about it. Got <laughs> all the things they could have done with him. <laughs> oh, seriously. He just is there to see the who done it mystery of whatever. Yeah. Um. But Bran seems like, because we kind of leave Bran, this is actually quite not that far into A Dance with Dragons. It's really not. And then he just vanishes. Um, Or does he? uh, Well, okay. So there is the one part where he seems to reach out. There's two parts. There's two parts. Two parts where he... In the the Mel Chapter 2. Right. Um, Let's do Mel first. Okay. Mel is connected to Blood Raven. Somehow. Somehow. The theory that we kind of I would I wouldn't say I favorite more than I find it very interesting is that yeah, she is Blood Raven and uh Shara Seastar's daughter. I find it because remember she's quite a bit older than she appears. Yeah. I find I find it plausible. I, I just think it's very plausible and it's a very well constructed mm-hmm. theory and thematically it would work too. But yeah, she, th- there does seem to be a sort of connection to them, and she's always talking about the Great Other bringing darkness. And then you've mm-hmm. got you know Blood Raven talking about how darkness is going to be, darkness will be your cloak, your shield, your mother's milk. Darkness will make you strong, is what he tells Bran, mm-hmm. which is freaking weird as shit. But um, when we have Mel's point of view, this is she sees him, and it's a wooden face, corpse white. Was this the enemy? A thousand red eyes floated in the rising fr- flames. Definitely Red Raven. He sees me. Beside him, a boy with a wolf's face threw back his head and howled. The red priestess shuddered. Blood trickled down her thigh, black and smoking. The fire was inside her, an agony, an ecstasy. Remember how Brendan said that his blood was black. An agony, an ecstasy, filling her, searing her, transforming her. Shimmers of heat traced patterns on her leg, insistent as a lover's hand. Mm, Okay. Yeah, well, there's a lot of sexual imagery in The Faith of the Lord. There's a ton of sexual imagery with that, and uh, part of the Shira Blood Raven theory I know pulls from this passage too, because mm. she has such a like weird reaction to him. Her blood, her blood is black and smoking. Like, yeah, she's a night bleeder. This whole thing is just weird, but whatever it is, the is that he is very significant to her, mm-hmm. and then beside him, a boy with a wolf's face. So obviously, that's Bran. Mm-hmm. Um, we know he's around. And then the other uh, glimpse of Bran that we get. And do you want to read this one? Yes. Um, this is right after uh, the wedding with uh, Ramsay Bolton and Jane Poole, who's uh, impersonating Arya. Uh, mm-hmm. And he kind of uh, stays in the godswood and he's looking at the heart tree and just being disturbed and full of trauma. Um, the night was windless. The snow drifted straight down out of a cold black sky. Yet the leaves of the heart tree were rustling his name. Theon, they seemed to whisper. Theon. This is, of course, um, kind of the same thing that Bran was doing 
when he saw his father in his dream, right? That, mm-hmm. Like, he couldn't touch him. Like, all he could do was kind of, you know, be the leaves. <laughs> be the leaf. <laughs> no. <laughs> the old gods, he thought, they know me. They know my name. I was Theon of House Greyjoy. I was a ward of Eddard Stark, a friend and brother to his children. Please, he fell to his knees. A sword, that's all I ask. Let me die as Theon, not as Reek. Tears trickled down his cheeks, impossibly warm. I was ironborn, a son, a son of Pike, of the islands. A leaf drifted down from above, brushed his brow, and landed in the pool. It floated on no. the water, red, five-fingered, like a bloody hand. Bran, the tree murmured. They know, the gods know. They saw what I did. And for one strange moment, it seemed as if it was Bran's face, carved into the pale trunk of the weirwood staring down at him with eyes red and wise and sad. Bran's ghost, he thought. But that was madness. Why should Bran want to haunt him? Maybe because he betrayed his family? Mm, maybe. Uh, <laughs> can you do me a favor and check what point uh, in the book this is? Is it after the wedding or is it during um, during the siege already? It's a ghost in Winterfell chapter. Okay. So it's after the wedding. Yeah, it's well after the wedding. Well, not well, but yeah. I think he comes into the gods when he can hear Jane cry, right? Yeah. 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 So it's not right after the wedding. Sorry about that. So this is like right... I This this is the chapter that ends with him hearing the horns, right? Of the yes. Yes, 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 it is. There's the Wind of Winter's chapter, uh, spoiler chapter two, where he, uh, the raven seems to be reacting to him very specifically. And yeah, um, I don't want to give too many specifics, but because it is a spoiler, I guess. But there's a raven, and it's very probable that Bran is warging it. Or skin-changing it. Yes. So, Bran doesn't totally disappear, but, uh... (laughs) But, yeah. He's off our screens. Um, I think he's one of those characters where it's very obvious why Martin had a five-year gap planned. Mm -hmm. I think the Stark children is kind of what he was basing that around. Yeah, sure. Like, we'll come back and, like, you know, Arya will be an assassin, Bran will be a magician, and Sansa will be, like, a politician or something. Yeah. But then he couldn't explain, like, anything else, so. <laughs> well, yeah. I know. I'm definitely I'm definitely warming up to the idea that the gap scrap was the right decision, but it's still kind of lamentable, the things that, like, you know. The cost. Well, John probably would have been a Lord Commander for five years instead mm. of like five weeks, <laughs> five months. Sure, he did a good. He get, he did a bang up job. Yeah, better than I could have done, probably. Oh yeah, I would. I would watch it. That. What? <gasps> what more is there to say? Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's the entire areas that we barely commented on. Um. I feel like we were just, like, stating facts, too. Mm. I don't know. Was this podcast even interesting for you guys? Like, Yeah. That, that's, people say that about us a lot. <laughs> we just state facts. Like, our Dornish had canon hour was basically just Dornish canon hour. But, um, yeah. yeah, like, there's shit going on. It's very interesting. We don't have any concrete answers, really. Um no, I got I got a little scared during the other section. I'm going to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing that fascinates me about the others is the way that they're so dismissed, right? Like the way the way that like you know uh, Sam goes in this old library at the wall and he finds out all this information about the others that nobody knew, 
Yes. You know, and like the fact that like the Night's Watch seems to be under the impression that it's there to keep the wildlings from coming south. Which like, you know, if there was no wall, there would be no problem. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, it's all very interesting. Yeah. But, and I, I, I think I find, I find that kind of like romanticized elements, like the kind of like, um, Tolkien plays with this theme a lot too, of like just that, you know, the way that history passes into myth and like, you know, we forget things that we once knew. That's a very kind of romantic. History trope. became legend. Legend yeah. became myth. No, like exactly that. Like that's. It is. And I mean, yeah, I've always found that very compelling. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I know Lord of the Rings adaptation was imperfect, but I actually didn't mind Galadriel's prophecy, prophesizing at the beginning. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or ex- that's, expositing. That's kind of, it's kind of like the trope the entire fantasy genre is almost built around, you know? So. Yeah, it's true. Mm. And this part of, that's also the kind of, the, the kind of thing that people find compelling about certain conspiracy theories, you know, that there is this, there's this secret and ancient knowledge that we're just not privy to. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very human thing to be compelled by, I think. Yeah, there's something about this, like, I just feel like there's some, obviously we don't have the information, but I feel like in my own brain there's some kind of missing link with, like... With R'hllor. With R'hllor, specifically, yeah. And the Children of the Forest and the Others, like, that's just, that's just really, like, I feel like there's something there. Well, the Children of the Forest made the Others. Well, yeah, but context, dear, context. <laughs> yeah, and, like, what is their relationship anyway? Mm-hmm. Why is the cave warded? Exactly, like... What are they afraid of? And, like, like um, it's something I only really noticed, like, during preparing for this podcast, the whole thing, as soon as, as soon as Cold Hand says, I can't protect you anymore, all of a sudden the whites attack. You know, like, things like that. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. So. Something is, something is fucking going on. And Cold Hands is, like, confusing me more than ever now. Yeah. Because I was comfortable with the meat sack thing, but then the raven is more... T- or skin change, and you're just like, why? Yeah. Why would both of this be the case then? Yeah, and you've come around to Jojen paste. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was never like against it. No, I've, I've, just, I've never been against it. I just, I, I mean, I don't want him dead because mm-hmm. I like Jojen. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like did we just waste two hours of everyone's time? That's I what I want to. I don't think so because I, I think this is quite edifying for me because like. Like we said at the very beginning, this is not something that we spend a lot of time thinking about. So this is, I don't think we wasted anyone's time. Or no more than usual anyway. I hope not. And I do think, like, our patriarchy brain episode, will, mm-hmm. if it, or, or if it is only cat, I don't know. I'm, I'm it's more or less the same thing. Yeah. Because <laughs> you can't talk about cat without talking about patriarchy brain. Yeah. Make it like cat and patriarchy brain. And then after that, but I think we, we, we will, we'll be, di- we'll be diving into, um, season six retrospective kind of stuff yeah we need to uh figure out what our game plan is for that but um hopefully i think our next podcast is going to be a little more conversational in nature because for this one it's just both me and joy being like um maybe <laughs> let's read long passages from the novels <laughs> <laughs> let's just read more and more this is fine <laughs> this is what a podcast is <laughs> a game of thrones prologue Let's talk about sci-fi shows we've watched that this reminds us of. Those parallels are illuminating. Shut up. I think so, too. We just, we're very 
zealous with them. I will. I won't say overzealous. I won't. Um, but yeah. So our next episode is pro- is almost definitely patriarchy brain. Then we're gonna probably do season six retrospective stuff. Mm-hmm. That may be multiple episodes. Multiple Yay. episodes, but we probably we don't want to leave a song of ice and fire discussions at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we might open up another poll if you have any suggestions for podcasts, or you know what. If you've been watching season six, if you have any suggestions for how we might even think of tackling this content. Yeah. Because I don't think storyline by storyline retrospectives is going to work. Yeah. I don't don't know. It's hard to tell. I don't think I want to invest that much time into this season, you know? Because it was basically six months of our lives. Yeah. To get those season five retrospectives, so. They were funny. Yeah, I mean... I'm definitely pleased with the results. Like it was some of our best work. I don't know. I mean, I think we'll have we'll have to talk. I don't think it's going to be that difficult. Yeah. To break it down, we were also really lazy on our retrospectives. But yeah, if <laughs> if you guys have any suggestions for what we could do, we'll we'll listen to them. Mm-hmm. We'll take them into consideration. Exactly. We're Martels. We weigh a lot of information. Yes. So. Okay. Close us out. <laughs> Otherwise. We will talk to you next time. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. Silicon-based beings. Fuck you. Fuck you, the bloody spear. I I love you. You know that this is, like, my area... This is what I studied. That's the only reason I'm so pedantic, and you can correct me on linguistic stuff. (laughs) Okay. Which you do, often. Yep, that's true. You correct me on everything. Don't even. Because I'm always right. Kind of are. It's a little frightening. <laughs> I told you one of the one of my first first things I ever said to you was that you intimidate me. <laughs> I, was, I I just see myself as the least intimidating person ever. So it was those like historical parallels that you were whipping out of your butt every minute. Uh huh. I was like, I have to be friends with this person. <laughs> impressed me with your history knowledge. I, I I was really impressed by your compiling of the evidence about Fagon. <laughs> Oh, shut up. I hate everything about that. <laughs> I like, hope this, did... this is a person who knows logic. I hope you didn't see it at the time. I think I did. Oh, no, my It's, like, so embarrassing. <laughs> remember when I started a thread about the character's favorite sexual positions? <laughs> I do remember that. And then someone was like, oh, that's only because you're not getting some in real life. <laughs> okay. Like, alright then. You think that if it gives you pleasure.